Welcome to Get Amplified from the Amplified Group, the podcast for tech industry leaders and aspiring leaders who want their companies to execute faster. As always, we're virtual. I'm at home in sunny Bucks today. Vicky's over in deepest darkest Oxfordshire. We have a guest on today, but today is a bit of a special edition, so we're not going to follow quite the usual format. It will maybe perhaps be a bit freeform. Our guest today, I'll let Vicky introduce him, but he's someone we've had on the podcast before and we know and love very, very well. Um, and today we're talking about the potential return to work and how that's going to work. Should we be back in the office? Should we not be back in the office? Um, I had a conversation with some of the guys from my old team uh, the other day because I was sitting here thinking if I were still working properly, I would be blooming desperate to get back in the office. And they were saying the productivity gains of not visiting the office are massive. One of the guys was saying that he stays 15 hours a week of not commuting, not traveling, not seeing people face to face. Really interesting conversation. So looking forward to having the benefit of our guests' insight there. So Vicky, perhaps you could introduce the legend that is. Thank you. I'd love to. So our guest today is Chris Collette, who has joined us. I think you did Mental Health Week as well with us, Chris, didn't you? So this yeah. is your this is your seventh. Because we did five mini mental health ones, didn't we? Yeah, we did seventh appearance on on Get Amplified. So we're delighted that you're you're back to share your wisdom with us. But before we kick off, Sam, I'm going to pull you up on what you just said because it's quite interesting what you just said. You said in the intro, "Our return to work." Yeah. Well, that's so we think of work. How do we define work? Because actually, yeah. it's our return to our place, the office. Yeah, that's absolutely the place true. Of you work. Know, I, I guess in the sort of arenas that we're talking about, you know, as you largely serve, or we at Amplified Group largely serve the, the tech arena, most people have been continuing to work at least as hard, if not quite a bit harder, harder yeah. <laughs> during the pandemic. So you're absolutely right. It is about returning to, to your place of work. And there is the old adage, isn't there, that's probably from your Citrix days, I suspect. Work should be a thing that you do, not a place that you go. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I guess for me, with my softcat history, and uh, Ricky, I know you've been to softcat offices. Chris, I doubt you've had the pleasure, but the offices are blooming brilliant. And, that is about the fabric of the office and it being a nice, you know, well-lit, comfortable, um, friendly place to be with, you know, free toast and cereal in the mornings and all sorts of niceties like that. But it's also about people. So for me, work was very much a place to go as well as a thing that I did because I loved being in the office and I felt it was incumbent upon me as as a director, as the, you know, the kind of the, the tech lead, the geek lead within the organisation to be in offices for those conversations, to help train the sales guys, to, you know, sit and talk through a customer project or whatever. And I would be really missing that interaction, the casual stuff, and, the, you know, the buzz of the place. I used to feed off that. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so, um, so what we really want to talk about today is, you know, we're starting to think about going back to the office or going back to meeting our colleagues. And actually, I'm facilitating a, a leadership workshop next week, and we've got this on the agenda as a topic to cover because some people, like like you've just described, Sam, are 
really excited to get back into the office and to see people. And we'll talk about the, you know, the emotional capital, as we like to call it, and, and what that means. But there are others that are really feeling quite anxious about that. And how do you get that balance? So it's going to be really great to get Chris's perspective on it. So Chris, it's great to have you here because you've got a completely different, different perspective. So have you, have you done any face-to-face work since the pandemic started? Yeah, yeah. Like everybody in my situation as a, a freelancer, my diary disappeared overnight in March last year. Uh, and I, so I had to change like everybody else did to find, you know, find different avenues to work. But well, I did some work with the NHS in Kent during lockdown because the training we were delivering, it was around trauma risk management, essentially. Uh, they wanted it face to face. They were they, you know, they accepted there was a degree of risk and we were asked to accept a degree of risk, which we were happy to do. I did it for another company because they wanted the face-to-face interaction. They felt the training was so important that it had to be face-to-face. So you picked up on all those subtle things. And most importantly, those who didn't want to speak in open forum were able to do it in those casual moments around food or a coffee or a a passing on the stairs. Those things that were normal to us in March, they recognised actually they needed that because it was an important avenue to get people to speak, to talk, to share their experiences or their frustrations and anxieties and concerns. So, yeah, the short answer is yes, I've done some. And it's really, really good. It's really nice to get back with people. And all those those people that were on the courses I was helping or delivering on were delighted to be there as well. It was it was nice, yeah. But, it, but I don't think, you know, I was just thinking about what Sam said there about your place of work and use the word, I loved it. And I and I suppose that's a danger, isn't it? Because I was also thinking about the world of work. What does it look like now? It's, it's not the same one yep. that it was in March. People have realised, companies have realised there's another way to do things. We don't have to have everybody in work at the same time to be efficient. And as Sam alluded to earlier, productivity for some people has gone through the roof because they found themselves in an environment that either it's done that because they're being they're working longer than they should do. So that's that's a whole separate issue. Perhaps you know I've read lots of articles about people saying, "Well, I'm working harder, longer hours yes. now." Yeah, for yes. me, I'm lucky I've got a little office, but the kitchen's just there. So I, I'll, I'll make a cup of tea first thing in the morning. I'll, I'll just, I'll just put my laptop on. Well, you can't if you're at work and the laptops at work. You don't. So, so there's that, there's that argument. But I think the the world of work is going to look different because people have been successful working from home and like it. You know, let's let's. I'm going to be stereotypical here. You know, a mother, which doesn't have to commute. She can sort the children out if that's, you know, and, and then go straight to work because it's here. So it might be more convenient. And I think so the, the way the world, the world of work will be in the future will be a hybrid. Uh, that's a good point, actually. Do you think that if the world is more work from homey from here on in, will that help diversity at a senior level? <laughs> that's a massive, great big whopper of a question. It is. Will a lack of presenteeism help returning mothers for example to be more a part of businesses that you know completely wrongly they've probably struggled to stay in that environment so I didn't do the school run at all until I started the amplified group I had a full-time nanny I was I didn't know any of the other parents and I'm going to use the word parents at school because what has also happened it's really interesting that you just said mothers doing the school run we've now got 
loads of dads at the school run too and that has mm. really really changed and actually parents wanting to realizing that actually they want to spend more time with their family and not doing that commute and I think I think that's where the balance really starts to come in yeah yeah absolutely it's opened up a world well not just the world of work the, the world of home and work I, I always yes. think we get the, the phrase work-life balance around the wrong way I think it should be life work so if you if, you, if people have found equilibrium if they found the balance better then they perhaps don't want to go back to work full-time they want to have the opportunity to have that hybrid way of working but just going back to what Sam was saying there about executives and, and measuring yes it's really difficult isn't it because you can measure the amount of time someone you'll know better than me as, as technical people you can measure the amount of some time someone's online but are they productive the whole time so it's the same kind of if you if your bum is sat on a seat and I can see you are you being productive I can't tell, but I think you are perhaps because you're there. So the, the, how you measure productivity is equally valid, both in the workplace conventionally and if it's distributed. Um, but if people are measuring, you know, from the five behaviours, measure productivity, not the time you're in front of the screen. So that's kind of the, you know, a sea change we perhaps need to answer, not answer Sam's question, but to throw into the mix. How you measure me on my productivity, not on my time on screen or time sat in front of you in the office. And that's hopefully a more 21st century. Yeah, measure industry. people on output rather than input. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I work for a really great um, brigadier in the last couple of jobs I did in the army. And, he, he, you know, in his opening sort of speech to everybody, he said, we were in an open plan office. I don't expect to see you here all the time. I will measure you on the things I, I want you to do. And if you're doing them, I don't care if it takes you two hours and you take, you take six off. That's what I want to. Uh, these are the jobs I need you to do, and I want you to find that night that good balance. And he was true to it. That's the other key thing. It wasn't just a platitude. Just saying it. Yeah, he, he was genuine. He didn't want to see you there. I remember one. Well, it was his deputy actually came down to you one day. It was about quarter six one evening in the summer. And we were on the second floor. And we looked out over what was effectively known as a duck pond. There were ducks, and it was a pond. So, <laughs> um, and he said, he said clue, to me, clue is in the name, right? Exactly. Yeah. He said, have a look out that window, Chris. What's it look like? I said, oh, it looks really nice. He said, it's lovely out there, isn't it? Yeah. He said, how old are your children? My children were about, I don't know, 12 or 13 then. I said, 12 or 13. He said, wouldn't it be nice if you were back home with them rather than sat in here? And his point was, why are you sat here? This, 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 you don't need to be here. So they not only did, right. you know, they said it, they exercised it as well. And that, you know, going back to Sam's yeah. point about being a good place to work as well, you were happy to go to work because, I was being measured on my outputs, not on the amount of time my bum was on the chair. So, yeah, it was good. Interesting. The downside, of course, is that you'd have to pay for your own coffee. But it's interesting, isn't it? I think about some people will be very happy to stay at home. Let, you know, perhaps yeah. they are, they, they enjoy their own company. Perhaps they find being around people difficult. Perhaps they find yeah. working in a busy, noisy environment difficult to concentrate. So what takes them an hour to do at home takes them two at work because they've got yeah. these multiple yeah. feeds that disturb them. Yeah, I find that environment energising. Mm. Yeah, so I, there's no one-size-fits-all, is there? And if, if, yeah, if yeah. we're having to wake up to the fact now that, that the classic desk scenario or office scenario if we're waking up to the fact that it doesn't work for everybody and that certain people yeah. work better given different set of parameters or, or, or circumstances. And we've got the, we've got the luxury of being allowed to allow people to have that hybrid way of working. Then, you know, hopefully it's a good thing. Um, I think there was something, I don't know if it's a government led initiative where I think people are trying to say, 
let's get make it not quite compulsory but let's encourage companies to give people the choice not to say you must come back if yes. if your job can be done remotely notwithstanding we're still in a dangerous situation at the moment aren't we it's still mm. covid is still yeah. there yes you give people the choice perhaps they will be more productive yeah. if they can be at home there's a government mandate that people have to have the opportunity to request flexible working mm. Yeah, and, you know that might that might mean flexible on location, or that might mean flexible on time. It doesn't mean that they have to grant it, but I think I think they probably have to have a good reason why not, why they shouldn't grant it. Yeah. Whereas I, th- I think now, you know, more most um, organisations, I think, will probably land on some sort of hybrid arrangement. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Like, so Apple have said that they want everybody in the office three days a week. And that will be mandatory. Um, I think it was Deloitte stole a jump on everyone else in that sort of management consultancy sort of space and said, "Do do what you want, just get the job done." And it, you know, the comment that I saw on that from the point of view of, of of Deloitte's industry was, you know, they've instantly made themselves fifty percent more attractive as an employer yeah. to people yes. in that space. To, to have the option, you know, I don't think you'll have businesses of that sort of size and scope. And I know for sure that you know, Softcat wouldn't shut down the offices and make everybody work from home permanently. But I think office space will change. You know, you you won't have rows and banks of desks, but you'll go into the office for meetings, team meetings, more of that kind of casual sort of conversation sit around chat rather than going in to do tasks based stuff if you're doing task based stuff you might as well go home yeah and and quite honestly sam what you've just described there is how i have worked Mm. for the last 20 plus plus years i would go in for the meetings when i needed to go in for meetings yeah Yeah. and and those interactions but if there was stuff i needed to concentrate on as i just said before in sat in the office I was way too distracted. Even even when I had an office and I could shut the door, I still want. I was still too nosy to figure out who was talking to who and what was going on out there. To I can see Chris <laughs> laughing at me there. You can see that completely, can't you, Chris? Um, and Whereas so I, if I, I'd, I was, have put, I'd have put one of the small offices out and gone and got my head down in there. Yeah. <laughs> if I if I needed to write a proposal or, or some documentation or something, because I was more productive that way. Yeah, but it was just what it's just what I've been used to, but. Now, um, working completely remotely, you know, I had the luxury of facilitating a leadership team meeting about three weeks ago in person. And oh, my goodness, it was so lovely to actually get in the <laughs> same room as people and yeah. feel the energy. And, and actually, that's one of the things I want to talk about is we've talked on previous podcasts. I think we talked about it with um, with David Harry Jones of Twilio, we talked about this emotional bank and this emotional capital that we get when we go and meet people and we get energy from people. And how over and you build time those that personal started relationships. to dwindle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I felt like when I went and did this meeting, it, it felt like my, my bank of energy was kind of raised again because I'd been able to actually have that spontaneity in the room, which is very different. And I have been running virtual workshops and they've been fine. They've been absolutely fine, but it's still, you can't be getting in the same, yeah. same room as people. So totally agree with that. 
Yeah, the dynamic is different, isn't it? It's, it is. It's, you know, we're gregarious by nature, aren't we? As a, as a, as a, an animal, we like people. We like to feel like we belong. And in that moment, yeah. you belong to that group of people. Your tribe in that moment is the group of people in that room. And as a facilitator, uh, you very quickly try to endear yourself to those people, find some commonality and become part of their tribe, especially if you're an outsider. Yes. And yes. you can feel that acceptance and that warmth. And whereas over the airways, it's subtly different. Definitely. I think you can yeah. still replicate it to a degree. As you say, they're successful because they're born of necessity and therefore you do the best you can. And, and people on the other yeah. end of the screen are doing the same thing. But in a room, you pick up on so much more. We've mentioned in the chat yeah. before about that biological data that you don't get from a, from a 2D screen. You do yeah. get from being with people that... The, the, the subtle hints of body language, the flick of an eye or an eyebrow raise that's easy to see face to face or just it, you, you, it's intuitive almost. The, your, your, your spider senses are, are, are attuned mm. to it when you're in a room. But when it's like this, it's, it's that much more difficult because, you know, I'm sort of, I don't know, 50 centimetres away from my screen. So my field of vision is very narrow. And if there yes. are 20 mm-hmm. people on here, yeah, if you're in a room, you can see the whole room. You can you yes. can pick up on you know, a little movement over there or over here, whereas on a screen, yeah. you're focusing on one place. So, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Actually, I'm facilitating a session next week with 18 people yeah. virtually, and I'm quite worried about it. Simply That's because hard. That's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. That is, a, that is a lot of people, yeah. But yeah, I think it's you're quite going back to your original question. Yes, I've been with with people face to face, and it's it is a real delight. I mean, it's also much harder as well. Don't forget, you know, for a facilitator, because you've got to remember your lines. Whereas here, you know, you can have a book and you can you can yeah, yeah. have notes and things which you, which you can refer to. Really? Sound brilliant, and no one knows you're reading. You know, you. <laughs> yeah, you can have a whole second second computer. Yeah. But by, by the same so, token, I guess someone, also, someone's having a great tummy tickle. You can probably see. Yeah. I just yeah. feel like I want to take a picture of that. Zelda is <clears throat> just legs stretched in the air, having <laughs> enjoying the most She's... glorious tummy tickle, which you certainly couldn't be doing if you were in a soft cat office at this point. <laughs> no, no, yeah. probably not. Yeah. If, if you broadcast this, Vicky. If you broadcast this, Vicky, you might want to mention that Zelda's a dog and not a human. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, when you say dog, she's maybe more gerbil. Yeah. It'd be interesting as well, isn't it, going back to work now. Yes. The circumstances are such where I was reading it, the ACAS, I thought just before we, we came on, I, I went onto the ACAS website, which is some brilliant information on there, talking about, uh, I, t- I typed into Google, uh, uh, what do I do to go back to work in, in you know, during COVID? Lots of information in there, but it's about you know protecting yourself, about the company having a, a dialogue with people coming back to work because some people don't want to go. They, no. they sorry, they might want to go, but they don't want to go until they feel it's safe. You know, we as humans, we need we safety. So it's one of the first things we look for. Is if you look at Maslow, it's as true then as it is today. We look for safety. And if and for the last 18 months, we felt unsafe. We've been told yes. that those people who we crave those interactions with are dangerous, potentially. Yeah, true. Any one of us could have, at the moment, there's three of us on the call. It doesn't matter if one of us has COVID. You know, God forbid yeah. we do. It doesn't yeah. matter. We now, if we now step into the same office, am I thinking, it's brilliant to be back, but just stay back a bit, please? You know, you yes. maintain your distance because because we still have that little bit of fear in us. So there are some people, I think it was, there was a radio program I was listening to a couple of weeks ago where they were talking about companies saying, well, furlough's over, come back to work. And some people are saying, yeah. no, 
it's not safe. I don't want to come back. You've got a generation gap thing there. I was chatting to my friend Amy from Softcap, who's considerably younger than me, but we go to, we go to gigs together and we keep in touch and and we chat a bit. And she's, I, th- I think, is being told that really they want her back in the office. Well, she's mid twenties, mid to late twenties. She's only had one vaccination. So she doesn't feel safe or comfortable. I've had two. I actually feel a lot more comfortable about the situation now so you know you you've got the maybe the older generation who are bouncing chance saying well i've had my vaccine i'm piling back in the office and then you've got i'm all right you know the the, the, yeah i'm all right jack then you've got 22 year olds 23 year olds 25 year olds who you know hopefully have had one but that's a really difficult thing you know i I, i'm totally with you vicky i think you know people need to feel comfortable in order Mm. to yeah there's the opportunity for dialogue isn't that and good leadership yeah just because I feel this way doesn't mean to say everybody else says. So if I'm if I have a sufficient emotional intelligence, empathy with people around yeah. me, to say, well, not everyone will feel the same way. There's also there's you know in, in you know in that leadership sphere, people talk about knowing your people yes. beyond the superficial. So you know it might be that you're 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 fine to come back, Vicky, but you're a carer for someone who's vulnerable. So you're coming into a place of potential risk outside yes. of a bubble, which is safe. You're now worried about, not about you, but about the person you're coming home to. I mean, with nurses we spoke to in East Kent last year, there was a, they had this real moral battle dichotomy, call it what you will, where they desperately wanted to do their job as nurses. And they were happy to go on a COVID ward, as happy as you can be, but really worried about, well, how do I almost decontaminate myself and not take anything home? So yes. sometimes when we're thinking about, all right, my staff, my, my team, what about the, the ripple effect, the, you know, the multipliers? Well, yes. John comes into work, but John's daughter is disabled or, you know, has a, a you know, a breathing difficulties. Well, John now is exposing himself because work has told him to come back to work, not know, you know, and the leaders know that he goes home to a daughter who's unwell and is vulnerable. So it's so really you can't actually space. have a blanket rule, can you? No. It doesn't work like no. that. I guess not. And that's why, you know, the ACAS, it says on there, dialogue between everybody, between the people and those making the decisions at work. So it can be a workable compromise that you can expose these things if your environment is such that you're happy to do it, to say, look, can I delay it a little bit longer, please, until the government advice is X, because I look after my mother who's in her 90s and is, you know, she lives with me and is, is, is I'm very healthy and happy, but she's vulnerable. So there's a dialogue to be had. And there is, as you, Sam, as you quite rightly say, I don't think there's a one size fits all. It has to be a compromise on both sides. Because, you know, business are in, in business to make money, aren't they? That's the, that's the bottom line. No business goes into business to, to lose money and be unsuccessful. So they have to be productive. It's about working out that, as we spoke of, the hybrid model, I suppose. But one of the things you just said that's just really triggered it for me, I think when you were talking about Maslow, is if you're forcing someone to come back to an office and all they're doing is feeling anxious, well, they're not going to yeah. be protective, are they? Yeah. Absolutely not. So no. that's counterintuitive almost. And I actually really hadn't I hadn't thought about that at all, Chris. So I knew it was the right thing to do to get you on. Thank you for making me think that. <laughs> that individual that you force back into the office is going to be first out the door when another job opportunity yes, comes around. That's absolutely. Yeah. And I want to come on to attracting talent as well. But something else I'm just really conscious of, we've been talking quite UK-focused. We have an audience that is global for our podcast now, which I can't quite believe considering. Blimey. I know. 
it's just astonishing. I mean, we were, we were in the, the charts in Australia and India and in the US wow. um, in the business charts. So, yeah, quite, quite astonishing. So it just, but what you've just said, I just want to land that really because that applies to any country, yeah. to any organisation, to anybody, doesn't it? I was reading recently that in America, I think it's one in three Americans have been affected by COVID. And by affected, they were sort of intimating that they would have been someone in their immediate family or friends will have died. Yes. No, one in three. When you consider how big America wow. is, it's frightening. But yeah. going back to what we were talking about before, and this is it's related, is there's, there was a thing described as COVID anxiety syndrome, which is the... F- the fear of going back to work essentially because you have to be hyper vigilant in your place of work to protect yourself and protect other people and if people are already feeling a little anxious nervous depressed isolated as a result desperate to get back but also really worried about well what's the effect if i bring it home to store i hope you know i become infected or i then and I, I then infect somebody else. So, so it's a it's a very real thing, you know, across the world. I think COVID anxiety syndrome is something people are talking about. And and I've got friends who have been feeling very anxious about it. And actually, I was talking to someone the other day who'd been feeling anxious about it. And she was talking about her parents who'd literally isolated since last March and hadn't gone anywhere. And how her approach had been different because actually they'd just come to visit her and that was like a really big deal because they hadn't done any small steps first and she was talking about you know when when we first it's a parent at the school when when we first went back to school we got used to seeing people again for those five minutes at at pickup and we started because because I'm a really sociable person but actually for a few months last year I felt like I closed down completely and I was like I'm really happy in my little bubble here in my in my back garden and I don't I don't, it was really weird and it took it took ages for me to actually remember how to how to be in a god I was going to say a physical relationship there but that sounds a little bit dodgy but to actually being in the same places as other people and uh, perhaps something that we need to talk about is you know those steps that we can go through to get ourselves acclimatized to to being in the office yeah. Maybe sometimes, but not always. I guess that fundamentally, you've hit the nail on the head by calling it the steps. Yeah. So it's not a stop and go full on. Perhaps a, you know a, a gradual return to work, mornings only, or a, or afternoons, or, or a couple of days a week. Um, perhaps also it's it's about learning to become social again. I don't know yes. if yeah. You know, I'm quite lucky. I've got a good circle of friends. I belong to a, a triathlon club and we, we put training online. So, and that's carried on. We meet every Monday on the turbo session in the depths of lockdown. That was really yeah. important because that was our own, my only social contact with people outside my family. So yeah, yeah. so step returns, but also recognizing that for some people we, we talked earlier about um, those conversations you have around the cooler or the coffee some people yeah. perhaps some people have lost those skills and if if you're having to reintegrate those skills in the workplace where it's a more formal setting that can be quite difficult for people to do already you know for those who are shrinking more violence who find small talk difficult or did do before yeah, really really difficult now so that's you know that could be a source of anxiety i guess so, so I do guess you part, have, of, part of the answer so part of the answer there is maybe not so much stage return as in um, limiting the time, but maybe not having so many people in at one time. Yes. Yeah. Staggered yes. returns. So, yeah. but that, you know, from yeah. a safety point of view, 
so yeah so a shift yeah. patterns almost but all, but also yeah. perhaps for those companies that are large enough to have the luxury to be able to do it is some a social event outside you know, outside of the world of work where we you can just get that. used to talking yeah. to people again and yeah. you know the, the superficial conversations you have how are you i am very well thank you and work and then then the opportunity to just talk again with people in it on a thursday i go to a a lake and i go swimming and we the lake we choose to go to as a cafe and we sit at the end of it and and last year when that first opened it was amazing we're just talking to people about anything and everything because you hadn't had that opportunity to do it it was really nice but i imagine if you if you go to work and you feel like well i've got to be productive i can't really spend all day talking but i'm desperate to talk or or i've forgotten how to talk or there's no catalyst for me to talk but if you know if companies have the luxury to be able to do it these sort of return graduated return to work or a shift so not everyone's there at the same time and maybe a you know a a breakfast or a walk or whatever it might be you know that might be yeah we've been talking about work walks um but what i've also heard this week which was almost a a, an unbelievable story was of a team that had started to come back to the office but they've been completely uncoordinated about when they were coming in so i think that's another piece of this is about being coordinated and knowing who's going to be in the office when you're there that you are going to want to have those conversations with and you are going to get that energy from yeah Um, and it was it was it was a HR person telling me this and I'm like gosh so almost thinking and planning who's going to be in the office when you're going to be in and and broadcasting that to some extent so you've got some coordinate because there's no point going sitting in an office and you're the only person there all you're doing is changing your environment yeah this is about human interaction isn't it oh yeah absolutely and and that that you know that sort of reminded me that the the positive things we talked of earlier you know people have been productive they found a way to work at home they've been innovative um, they've they've managed change and they've been resilient all those things are equally relevant going you know not going back because we're not going back to the same thing but doing that but also the not so good things the isolation the anxiety they don't disappear overnight you know no. so that, so there has to be a recognition on everybody so me as an employer and as an employee have to recognize it. for some people it's going to be really quite difficult They've learned some new skills, which are now going to be transferable back into whatever the new normal is going to be, which is fantastic. But the, the negative things won't just disappear because we're going back to work tomorrow. And so we have to be sort of cognizant of that, I think, don't we? And patient. Yeah. Yeah. People are going to be anxious, nervous. They're not, you know, what, what are the rules of the game now? We're two metres apart. And now it, it, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because we very quickly forget. I've done it. You forget to put a mask on or you, yes. you, you close in with somebody to a comfortable what was once you know a comfortable place to be which now we know is not good because of the transmission of the disease yeah. so so yeah. That, you know yeah that we need to be patient with one another and i think dialogue between everybody is quite important is it find out what's what's useful for that person rather than starting from a well i'm all right um yes yeah because it's different for each one of us our experiences of lockdown will be different our experiences of going back to work will be different so the more we can we can be alive to that then hopefully the quicker we can go back to or not go back we can find the new normal i think one of the things that piece of advice that you gave me way back was talking about actually putting yourself in somebody else's shoes yeah and thinking about it from their perspective that's the emotional intelligence piece isn't it being able to walk a mile in my in someone else's shoes it's really difficult to do 
but it can it can op- offer up a lot of insight and it goes back again to what do i know about this person i only know they're a really good it software engineer what do i know what do they do you know i didn't know they had a you know a, a, a child who's a math prodigy and another one who's in a wheelchair well one how they have demands on their life which are going to affect how they feel about the world of work and coming back and, mm-hmm. and i'm not suggesting you know work can be quite a cutthroat place but I'm not suggesting you have to pander to every single thing people have, but it can make you, it can offer you a more informed space to make some judgments in, I think, if you know a little bit more about people and you can walk a mile in their shoes. Switching is on a gear. One of the things that I was really keen to talk about is organisations in the tech industry. There is this we're calling it tsunami of turnover of staff. There is a massive skills shortage and people are looking for, for where they're going next. And actually what, what the pandemic has done is has opened up the opportunity for people to be able to work more remotely in future, be able to hire talent from the far ends of the earth, basically, other than having to be in the next local town or having that, you know, within 40 minutes commute of the office. But it's also really clear that those organisations that are going to attract the talent are going to be the ones that get this hybrid working bit right. Do you think that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, as we said, what's the new normal? It probably is a, a, a hybrid working model of a mixture of going in and being at home. And if if that's what people want, then those companies, like you, like Sam mentioned earlier, is Deloitte that have that switched onto that quite quickly, people are going to gravitate towards them, aren't they, if they provide yeah. them with the model of work that they see as the future. Absolutely, yeah. 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 I, think it's, I think it's going to be one of the things that is the most important for attracting the talent. And, yeah. and I saw, a, I think it was a survey on LinkedIn about people, are they willing to take a pay cut to, to actually join an organisation that will give them the flexibility to have that work-life balance that they want. And, and it was an astounding yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, not surprised to hear that at all. Yeah, I, interestingly, I had a, a friend, we sat in the garden yesterday, we were talking about the worlds of work, and he's a really, really successful uh, aircraft engineer. You know, he's a, yeah. bright as a button. And he, he led, you know, huge teams of cutting edge uh, engineering in at a test pilot school and he he didn't quite give it all up he's still in the same industry but his his life work balance was completely out of kilter and he found he just didn't want to do that anymore so he he reduced what he did and and dropped his wages to get a better life work yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I think there's an awful lot more people. I think there was an expectation, was there? Maybe I think I'm probably a bit older than than both of you, but an expectation when I started work that you just killed yourself. You worked and that was it, and you had a couple of years retirement, and then you died. Well, my son is twenty. They don't want that, and yeah. they're right. They've got it right. They want yeah. they want to have a life. They don't want to have to wait till they're seventy before they have free time. They want to have it now. Hustle, and so, hustle culture is over. Yeah. Well, hopefully it is. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure it's quite over just yet. But yeah, the people, the, the <laughs> next, the next generation who are the future, they're quite rightly saying, uh, actually, no, we don't want this. You know, I'll take an example from the army. Um, I remember speaking to a brand new second lieutenant, a really intelligent guy, had a glittering career in front of him. When we're talking about horizon scanning, about you know, you know, ten, fifteen years in advance, and said, "Where do you see yourself?" And he didn't see himself in the military, and he'd been in about a year at that time. 
Um, I said, oh, and it was a real surprise to me. I thought he would be a career officer. And he said, no, I look at what, you know, he used me. I look at what you and the others do in the hours you work. I don't want that. And if that, you know, and he was prepared to sacrifice the job that he enjoyed to go and find where he could get that good balance. And, and there is a balance. There has to be a quid pro quo between the two. Absolutely. But, but yeah. you know, I think quite rightly, people say, I don't want to work 18 hours a day. I want to have a life. And I think they're right. Uh, you know, so, um, you know, a 35 hour week, you know, who wouldn't want that? And if you if, if you can get that and you can have enough money to do the things you need to do, you know, by taking a pay cut, because some people can't afford to do that, then, then that'd be a great model, I think, but not always workable yeah. in all industries. No, it's not. And just because we're talking about going back to the office doesn't mean that the, I like the fact you say life work balance is right with people working remotely as well. That back to back Zoom bloom thing that we've yeah. talked about yeah. is, is clearly around. And actually, um, I've got a call with someone next week from Twilio and they've got a thinking week next week. And the idea is that they don't do lots of meetings. They actually are forcing the teams to have headspace to be able to think. And I'm like, gosh, they are leading the way. They absolutely yeah. are in the way that they are thinking about their employees. It was yeah. a great thing to hear. And so there's definitely getting that balance. And I think we're going employee-centric. I think that's that's the conclusion that I'm coming to as, as we're having yeah. this conversation. I guess if you if you're thinking that the next generation of of ideas and, and big thinkers are going to come from young people, we have to a degree that you know there's a meeting of minds and expectations, but you know they're going to set the agenda for the future. So perhaps we have to then think, well, how do we make sure that we're attractive to those people? And if we're if they look at us and go, what, somebody said to me one day, I was thinking about going to work for a particular company. Uh, I won't say who it was. So somebody said to me, don't go there. What they do is they thrash you for two or three years. Don't yeah. mind you drop off and then just get the next batch in. Well. Yeah. People don't want that anymore, do they? They don't, you know, you make a choice not to go there. You go to somewhere where you've got a good life work. My pay's certainly less, but I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. get to watch the football or be with my children or take the children to school. The expectation yeah. of what I should be able to do as a parent, male, female, or whatever. Uh, well, actually, I want to, I want to do those things. I don't want to miss out on my family and a company that's going to give me the opportunity to learn, grow, be productive and do a, a good day's work for a good day's pay, but also, I'm going to have the latitude to take my daughter to the school bus in the mornings or whatever it yes. might be. Yeah. So, That's the balance, isn't it? And yeah, Sam, it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. But it's getting that – well, it's, 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 it's just flexibility yeah. across the board, yeah. isn't it? And if you're purpose-driven and you're – I think you described it, Sam, at the beginning as outcome-driven, then it sh- all of this shouldn't make a difference. Yeah, I suppose we have to we have to nod to the people who want to work those hours, who want that's you know that's what they want to do. They thrive on that, and that's that's great. And there are others who find a different way. But if you want to attract the, the best talent, I suppose you've got to you've got to create an environment where people want to come to you and they want to stay with you. It was interesting. There was a conversation the other day with somebody about the difference between graduates and apprentices. And this is this is old old news now, so it might be subtly different. But a few years ago, when apprenticeships, degree apprenticeships were yeah. you know, relatively new, I'm pretty, it was a Radio Four program. I think it was Jaguar Land Rover. It was one of the prestige car manufacturers right. saying, "We invest more in our apprentices because we know they'll stay with us." 
whereas the grads come get the tick in the box and they move move on again i mean that's that's a huge sweeping statement but so they create the environment where you know come to us the apprenticeship's fantastic this is lifelong you can be with us as you can progress you can and so it's attractive so people you know are falling over themselves to get those apprenticeships yeah because it's attractive um, yeah, actually, that's a really interesting, really interesting point. We've got um, a podcast coming up with um, an SVP at Cisco, and the main thing we're talking about is apprentices. And they've actually got an apprentice on the podcast with us as well. So yeah, I will good. be asking that question. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah, certainly that's the way my son wants to go. He doesn't want yeah. to go to university, he wants to get an apprenticeship. Yeah. And lots of lots of different reasons, but yeah, they're they're attractive. And I guess if you want to if, if you want to attract the best people you have to work out what it is you and investing have in them. Attracts them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, get, yeah. I get that completely sam yes you look like you're going to say something before no not on this occasion really i think i butted in enough today oh <laughs> i think it's, it's worth saying in all of this you know companies need to make money so there's a compromise in all of this. We've kind of seen a lot of this through rose-coloured specs. We create a brilliant environment. Everyone comes to work for four hours a day. It's hugely productive and, and everyone wins. So life isn't like that. So there is a compromise, uh, you know, a, a balance because whatever company is still needs to make money, doesn't it? It needs to make the money to invest in the future and, and be profitable and stay in the market. So, you know, we, we have to do a fair day's work for a fair day's pay. Well, a company that isn't making money, can't afford to invest in the nice stuff. Yeah. Yeah. T- team, you know, putting some cash towards the team night out, paying for, you know, free coffee and decent quality coffee and, yeah. you know, bits and pieces like that. And, you know, you end up in a downward spiral because people yeah. get demotivated and are less productive. They leave. The company makes even less money. And, you know, unless the company's pushing forward, pushing up that spiral, and it's really yeah. hard to maintain that environment. As you said earlier, Vicky, there is no one size fits all. And there is, a compromise to be had on everyone's behalf about what expectations we have for the world of work and what the world of work has the expectations it has for us. Yes. So I think, I think from a conclusion perspective, the other thing that, and I didn't think that this this is where this was going to go, but it still to me comes down to having an emotive purpose. And it's that balance of an emotive purpose that everybody gets behind and they are inspired to do the very best job they can and bring their very best to work, be that at work, in an office, or work at home. Yeah, yeah. A vision, a common goal that everybody believes in. So, I mean, it's Sorota, I think, his two-factor theory he wrote about. One of the things he spoke of in there was that if your own vision and goals aren't aligned with the companies then you're probably not going to have much fun at work yeah, you're not going not to be right motivated place. yeah you're not going to be motivated but if they are if they're in, ta- in tune then it's harmonious then almost the people want to be there they want to contribute yeah. feel like they're contributing yeah and whether that's you know coming full circle whether that's at home or in the office well there's a there's a hybrid perhaps to be had uh, depending on the environment the situation the workload the people involved so it's quite a complicated thing but not insurmountable i don't think no i don't think so i think i think you're right there sam do you want to wrap us up with the greatest of pleasure (laughs) we covered some serious ground there i thought you said this was going to be 20 minutes yeah sorry so chris before we wrap it up do you want to give us maybe your three key takeaways for the potential return to the office. Can't say return to work, can I, Vicky? No. (laughs) That's quite difficult, I think, Sam, but I think the main one for me would be to talk to people. 
don't assume that everybody is going to feel the same way about the world of work, going back to work, staying at home, working remotely. Speak to people, find out what's, what, what, what they think, and then you know, work on finding a, a, a workable solution, a workable compromise between everybody, because there, there definitely isn't a one-size-fits-all scenario here. So I thought that was really interesting. Uh, I guess the observation would be that it's a changing environment out there. We don't know quite where we're going to land post-COVID. Something to think about and something to give serious consideration to. And every every organisation will be different and every bunch of people will be different. But start thinking about it now because hopefully we'll be towards the end of this pandemic and back in the office in some way, shape or form in the relatively near future. So thanks, Chris, for joining us today. We really appreciate it. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening to Get Amplified from the Amplified Group. As always, your comments and your subscriptions are gratefully received. (laughs) 